Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. You're with Lavinia today. So I had the pleasure of interviewing Sarah Lang, who has over 16 years experience in the banking and financial sector of the corporate world. She's worked for ANZ for a variety of years in Western Australia and in Victoria, and she led 16 regional commercial and agribusiness relationship managers before diving out onto her own. She now works as a rural and regional agribusiness consultant and she's working with a variety of different clients to help them achieve tailored financial goals and control of their cash flow and with her variety of experience coming from a rural area herself in Victoria moving over to Western Australia she has a variety of knowledge and skills and expertise expertise to understand gaining control over finances and ultimately support regional communities to flourish. She is an amazing woman and we had the privilege of having a beautiful conversation. We chatted a lot about Sarah being one of the only people in her position in finance across the country what it was like to lead a team um, as a woman in agriculture and what it is like moving forward in this industry. We had some really, really great conversations and it was such a privilege to interview her. I hope you all enjoy this. Also, Sarah is so approachable. So if there are any young women or men who are really interested in hearing more about her story and wanting to reach out about being able to be working on her own and how she's been able to cultivate her business through her network and and all of that, then please reach out to her. Without keeping you guys too long, let's get into the episode with Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. We have had interview situations with both of us before, but we're in a studio today, guys. And this is the first time I've had a really in-person interview again. Gosh, I I think since last year. Yeah, wow. It's Times have been crazy with COVID. And Has been. This studio is, I'm feeling a little bit like, like I'm famous. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, this is fancy. Next time we'll have to get you on video as well. <laughs> I want to just jump straight into it because I want to hear all about your childhood. So this is a question we ask everyone on the podcast. So tell us about your childhood. Okay, so I grew up in a town called Glengarry uh, in Victoria, which is about 180 k's uh, southeast of Melbourne. Uh, and I grew up on a, a beef and sheep farm. Um, I went to the local primary school, so Glengarry Primary School, and then to, I suppose, the next biggest town uh, for secondary college, so Trelgan Secondary College. Um, and, yeah, I just I did all the usual things that the country kids do. I taught all my townie mates, um, how to drive a manual car on the farm. Um, <laughs> the classic. Yeah, absolutely. Rode motorbikes, uh, helped with hay carting and shearing in the school holidays. Um, but as a family, um, one of my favourite childhood memories was probably camping. So yeah. we used to do a lot of camping up in the Victorian high country. So for those who um, have watched The Man from Snowy River up near Craig's Hut, that's where we used to camp and it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, how beautiful. So tell us a little bit more about your connection to agriculture. Obviously, we're doing this podcast in Western Australia, but let's go back to the beginning and your roots and where it all started for you. 
Sure. So I suppose uh, growing up in the country, you're, you're surrounded by by agriculture. So uh, as I mentioned, we, we had uh, beef and sheep. Um, my grandparents also ran a beef and sheep farm. They were mm-hmm. over the back paddock. Mm-hmm. Um, my, other, my other side ran a Paul Hereford stud and I had an uncle and auntie who ran a dairy farm. So I was pretty much surrounded um, by ag. Um, and actually, funny story. My, my grandfather, who, who owned the Pole Hereford stud, decided that he would buy a Brahmin bull and cross with his Herefords. So um, in, the, in the first year, Grandpa put a Brahmin bull over eight cows and he got six bull calves. Oh, okay. So the next year he thought, oh, well, we'll just see if that's a one-off. So he put the bull over 12, 12 cows and got eight bull calves. Doing all right. <laughs> so, but obviously you want uh, you want female calves, so you can keep you can keep breeding. So he thought I'll give it one more go. So he put uh, he put uh, another bull over sixteen cows, and he got ten bull calves. <laughs> so that was the end of their uh, their uh, their breeding their, the Brahmin breeding stud, and he went back to um, to Paul Hereford. So <laughs> not meant to be. Some <laughs> things in ag you try try again, but if it's all too much, it's move on to the next. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's hilarious. I bet he looks back now and goes. Yeah, probably shouldn't have given it a three seasons. Probably should have given it two. Yeah, exactly. But I suppose, um, yeah, just just growing up in agriculture. Um, so my and that's where my business name uh, came from. So uh, my grandpa's Paul Hereford stud was Kubar, and yeah. my other grandparents who ran beef and sheep were Bushfield. So mm. um, I named my company Kubar Bushfield. Makes sense, doesn't it? I love those roots and I love how ag does seem to go into every area. Obviously, you are still heavily involved, but not directly. So it's good to have those sort of things that connect us back to our roots. And I think that's super special. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more. Obviously, you are from regional Victoria. Tell us about that and then tell us about the transition to WA and what that's been like. Yeah, sure. So, um, Growing up in the country, um, you can obviously do your primary school and your secondary schooling kind of back home. Mm. Um, but I knew pretty early on if I wanted to go to university, I'd have to go to Melbourne. Mm. So uh, obviously packed up um, after year 12 and um, spent probably 10 years uh, in Melbourne and, and absolutely loved Melbourne. Um, but I got an opportunity to, to come over to WA and initially that was that was for a, a four-week secondment yeah. uh, for when I was working for a, for a bank. Um, and after that four weeks of comment finished, um, another opportunity came up, which was for four months, and mm-hmm. that was looking after uh, the south. So, uh, looking after all the southwest of, of WA um, on the commercial and the and the agri side. And really, after spending kind of three or four months in the southwest of WA, I just I just fell in love with it. It was um, I just yeah love the region. I love the weather. Mm. Um, you just forget how cold it gets mm-hmm. in Victoria. Um, I love the beaches over here. Um, and I love the egg sites, all the homegrown food, the beautiful wine, um, and just meeting all the farmers in this region. Like, yeah. I've never met a farmer that's not nice. They're just, <laughs> they're such lovely people. So You just obviously get them on a good day. Oh, and, um, and I thought, well, you know, I've only ever really lived in Glengarry and Melbourne. Mm. Um, you know, if I'm ever going to, I suppose, get away from home, yeah. uh, now's the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that job came up on a permanent basis and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I took it. So, um, yeah, now I'm living in Bustleton with my partner, Nick, and a little fur baby, Ruby. <laughs> what was it, though, obviously, what are some of the differences or some of the similarities you see between regional Victoria and regional WA? Um, I think country people. Yeah. Country people are similar. doesn't matter where 
yeah. where they are. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I suppose probably on the, on the flip side, one of the um, different things around regional Victoria and regional WA is just the space. Yeah. I mean, in regional WA, um, you know, you can you can travel two hours and, you know, almost kind of get pretty much anywhere where over here two hours doesn't really get you too far at all. So just yeah. that regional span is is so different, but it's also so amazing. Yeah, and uh, as well, I've just been um, over in Victoria and just we are so used to, I think, yeah, f- flat or like long periods of like driving where you just see absolutely nothing as you don't have that over east. It's, it's WA is its very own special place, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Unique. And I think, um, you know, Victoria's got a lot more farms. They're a bit smaller. Yeah. Um, whereas over here, obviously, just because of the... Um, size they're they're a lot larger and and yeah obviously in, in victoria you get those rolling hills especially up in that victoria high, high country yeah. up towards uh new south wales um but yeah both both great places yeah absolutely so you've worked in banking for the last 15 years which is typically a very um maybe a very traditional route but obviously agriculture is very interesting can you tell us some of the biggest challenges you've faced being in the agricultural industry and we've touched on a conversation before about being a, a female leader in this what what has that been like as as a woman being a leader in the ag industry in banking which is typically very conservative yeah so it was it was really strange um to start off with so um when i first when i first got the role um you know i, I just remember turning up to my first farm and um, you know, introduced as you know the new local leader, and the farmer kind of looked at me and um, I think asked if I wanted a cup of tea, and I think that's the last he spoke for me for for the whole meeting. Um, so I, I, pretty early on, I thought, okay, um, I, I need to do something to, um, I suppose, show my show my credibility. So, yeah. um, and it just happened by chance. The next farmer that that we met, um, he said, "Oh, Sarah, where where are you from?" And I said, oh, actually, I, I grew up on a farm in, in Glengarry. Oh, did you? Oh, great. Oh, good. Oh, I just thought you were another one of those um, young blonde females from the city. <laughs> Not saying that if you're another young – you were really as well, though. That's the thing. You, you'd been in Melbourne for 10 years. Absolutely. But but here I was, you know, turning up on you know, a farm. You know, I was. I was young. I'm female and I'm blonde. And these yeah. farmers were looking at me like – can't be serious but as soon as I said I grew up on a farm and started talking um you know about you know beef and sheep you the, knew what type of tractor they had yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as soon but not even that like as soon as I said I grew up on a farm instant credibility absolutely we we spoke about this heavily before as well I think it's quite an interesting one because it does give you that in but it's also it is a slight bit of a shame that you have to have that that sort of conversation to prove yourself like you shouldn't already be credible enough or have the knowledge and expertise because obviously you got put into that position for a reason it's kind of one of those I guess it's a a win-loss situation a little bit as well oh it is and I'm sure if a you know 45 year old male turned up to that first meeting that farmer would have spoken a lot more to him than and what would, he did for me. And wouldn't have even probably asked him if he'd have been a farmer's son or exactly. something like that. It wouldn't have come. I guess it just goes to show, even though, because when were you in that, you were in that position, what, 10, 10 years ago when you moved over? How long have you been here now? No, I've only been here uh, probably uh, probably 
it's nearly six years. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was in that position for for about four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half years. But we, we've come, I think we've come a long way in the last six or seven years. I think we're having a lot more conversations about diversity and, you know, men and women, but we know that there are still some weaknesses in this industry and it's good to actually acknowledge them and start talking about them because hopefully we get to our future and our children and then there's no gender there is gender equality across the board that would be brilliant but it is interesting to see that we're still having these conversations now yeah but I think even in the you know the kind of I suppose four and a half five six years that I've that I've been over here and involved in agriculture I think one thing that I've really noticed is you know I look at my my nana for example and she was a typical what they used to call a farmer's wife yeah she cooked she cleaned and she looked after the kids yeah whereas now you know when I'm out um, visiting farmers you know that farmer's wife is now the farmer and yeah. also sometimes is the key decision maker on that farm and you know I see some really big farming enterprises these are big businesses mm. and there's a lot of talented female farmers out there that are doing awesome jobs running these farms yeah yeah I would definitely second that they're the ones that are the key decision makers for sure it's pretty brilliant to see that now that it is a way more of a partnership and there's not sort of these gender stereotype roles because I think when you are on a farm and it is a family enterprise there needs to be multiple people in the business for it to be evolving at the level it needs to be and I guess you see a lot of that I'd love for you to talk to me a little bit about um, the decision that you decided to go and work for yourself because I guess that that goes along with this and evolving and we are in such a changing environment when did that come about and why did you decide that you were going to go and do something for yourself so I spent uh, probably 15 years in in banking and what's really great about banking is you meet a lot of different people and you see a lot of different businesses mm-hmm. so you see really well-run businesses and you see some businesses where you think oh you know they're not they're not really being well well run yeah and what I noticed was the really good businesses planned, um, you know, they, they, had, they had business plans, they planned their cash flow and they regularly reviewed those plans. Mm. They had goals, they'd, they'd review those goals, you know, on a monthly basis or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but a lot of those, you know, like big corporates have CFOs. Mm. You know, they've got a fully, uh, a full-time person who that is their role, whereas mm. smaller businesses just don't have the money to hire a full-time kind of CFO. And I thought, well, you know, Maybe I could be that person. Maybe I could be that CFO, not yeah. on a full-time basis, but work for multiple businesses mm. that don't have the money or the need for a full-time, yeah. but could still use some help with cash flow. Yeah. And yeah, that's essentially why I, I started my business. Yeah. You just saw the need to be that sort of consultant and help people who have the ability or have those big goals, but don't have the necessary means or the resources to get them without someone like yourself helping them. Yeah. And I think um, accountants play a really good role in um, like tax planning, yeah. um, et cetera. But um, it's often too far between meetings. Yeah. So clients often need that, you know, either daily, monthly, weekly kind of help in planning. Mm. And there's a lot of great um, apps now where you can link to your accounting system, you set up your budget mm. and it automatically sends you your monthly report. Yeah. So you can get an actual budget every month sent to you automatically in your inbox. Mm. You can track certain KPIs depending on your type of business. Mm. Um, you can you can forward look. You can I mean a lot of these apps you can see on your phone yeah. you know, anytime, kind of anywhere. So yeah. you can look and say, well, you know, what's my cash flow going to look like in September? Yeah. You've got that at your fingertips. So there's a lot more information available to people and um, I think sometimes they're just a little bit scared of 
of using it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as I said, those who monitor their cash flow um, are, are a lot more successful than those that don't. In ag businesses, from your perspective, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing agricultural businesses make when it comes to their finances still in 2021? There's still a lot of um, farmers out there that do a budget for a bank. Yeah. So they do their annual budget, they give it to the bank, they pop it in the bottom drawer and they don't look at it yeah. again yep. unless there's a problem, unless they might need a seasonal increase or, or whatever. But um, that budget should be a tool that should be almost bought out every month. Yeah. So, you know, most, constantly evaluating it. Yeah. And, and it's constantly changing as well because, you know, you're doing the budget generally in kind of January. Yeah. So you predict, you know, how much rain am I going to get? Yeah. How much, you know, how much am I going to seed? Yeah. It should then really be reviewed post seeding. Yeah. Um, it should then be reviewed again, kind of in uh, just before tax time mm-hmm. with your accountant. Mm-hmm. But then also pre-harvest, because pre-harvest, you kind of got an indication about what, what revenue gonna, yeah. is going to come in. And by regular reviewing you can see oh hang on a minute actually we're not going to sell that grain because um for taxation reasons we're actually going to hold it over to the next financial year mm. you can actually see what that does to your cash flow yeah rather than getting to kind of july and going hang on a minute why do i have no money yeah you yeah know, the money's there it's just in another in another spot so regularly planning um is something that really good farmers do yeah and the ones that get a little bit short or get into trouble, they're often the ones that don't. Why do you think that is? Because when you think about it in every capacity, no matter what somebody farms, their budget is made of, everyone makes a big deal about it. Like in budget planning, don't talk to me, I'm in the office, (laughs) rah, rah, rah. But then why do you think that it hasn't been the follow through? Do you think that it's just like because farmers, like they are, they're doing a thousand things at once, it's just neglected? I think so. Um, And... uh, Budgeting is generally not the favourite thing of the farmer. You yeah. Know, they don't, you know, if they're a finance person, they generally don't become a farmer. So, yeah. um, but I think, and people will concentrate and do more of what they like doing. Mm. So if you're a farmer and you like farming, you'll do more farming. So you'll, you'll put the budget in the bottom drawer and, and won't worry about it. But that's where I see I can help because mm. I can be that person for them. Yeah. And most successful business people, whether you're running a farm or a business, you're not good at everything. Yeah. You know, there's marketing, there's HR, there's there's finance, but you don't have to be good at anything. As long as you're good at doing what you do well, i.e. farming, outsource the rest. Mm, yeah. I mean, don't they say the the best people, you have to look at what you do and what you do well and then get it outsourced, what you can't get an expert to do that. They're the people that are the most successful because they know where their time is best utilised. Yeah, and those good farmers out there, they have good teams. So, mm. you know, and, and part of their team is not only their, um, you know, themselves as farmers, but often um, their family, their workers, their accountant, their banker, their consultant. You know, they yep. have a team around them helping them manage their business. Yeah. You're also the chair of the Triple R Network, which is an organisation that I work with closely as well. Can you talk to us about this organisation, your role within the organisation and what they do? Sure. So, so Triple R. Um, so we call it Triple R. It's a bit of a nickname because rural, regional, and remote network of Western Australia is a, a little bit. It's a little bit hard to say. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's great. So uh, it's a it's a network that just constantly. I'm just constantly amazed by the people uh, in that network and inspired by the stories of, you know, what some women are achieving in rural and regional WA. Absolutely. Especially since, like, all the challenges that they face, they're still doing these these amazing things. And I think there's so many 
super talented women living in in these regions and we need to use them more so just because they're living in wa uh, in, in regional WA doesn't mean that we can't be tapping into some of their talents. Mm. So, you know, if there's barriers such as distance or uh, connectivity or, or whatever, um, you know, hope, you know, Triple R is that kind of, um, I suppose, bridge. So we take those issues to government, um, we quantify for them, and then we hopefully, you know, bring solutions to, to yeah. bridge a lot of those gaps. Um, and the best thing about a lot of these women's is they just know what's happening in their regions. They mm. know the issues... Um, they're on the ground mm. and they can bring those issues to organisations like the Triple R to help solve because often issues are not isolated mm. um, and a lot of regions face similar issues. So if we can understand those issues um, you know, and take them to government, then we can help provide solutions so it's not a barrier living in regional and rural WA. Yeah. And as being part of a board, what, what has that shown you, I guess, as a female in the agriculture industry? What, what has that been like being part of that board? Being part of a board's great. Um, and our board's really diverse, um, especially like geographically. Mm. Uh, so it's really great to hear, like I live uh, in Bustleton, so um, I understand a lot about the, the Southwest, but um, being on a board and um, learning and hearing from a lot of other women on the board, uh, both from their personal experiences, but also around where they are located geographically, it just expands your, your knowledge yeah. uh, around what is actually happening in, in regional WA because mm. it's a big place. Yeah, it absolutely is. And there's a lot of challenges that Western Australia faces and to have women who represent different walks of life within the Triple R region is amazing. Being on the board, what, how did that come about or and how can people who are listening potentially be you in 10, 15 years? Like how, how can they start young to start facilitating potentially being in a leadership position like that? So uh, the reason I, I suppose found out about Triple uh, R was through Jackie Jarvis, mm. um, previous CEO. So uh, she told me about the network. Uh, the network. Uh, while I was I was running an event um, when I was when I was in banking, and she told me about the network and um, the reason why I originally uh, joined the network um, as a member was um, I remember back um, growing up. Well, when I was in in uh, Glengarry, um, I was in in high school and uh, I played basketball at the time and. I found out about there's a, a state school, like state secondary schools um, basketball team. And um, I found out through one of my Metro kind of friends uh, who I met through basketball. And I didn't hear about this team until I think I was in uh, in year 12. And I said, well, how come I, like, I've never heard it. Why do I not know about this? Mm. And she said, oh, that's because you live in the country. Yeah. You know, country people never hear about us. And I thought, well, that's so unfair. Like there's yeah. so many other talented basketballers out there in country areas that could be um, that could be playing, you know, in this team. Yeah. And so Jackie told me about um, the Triple R and I thought, that's really cool. They're, they're doing what I didn't like about living in regional areas. They're, yeah. they're trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just so happened at the time that they were looking for a new treasurer. Yeah. And Jackie said to me, hey, you should uh, – you should really think about it. It'd be great to have someone um, with your uh, finance skills mm. um, on the board. So I essentially got tapped on the shoulder. And I think that's probably something us as females don't do well. We don't put our hands up for opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, us, you know, people on boards at the moment, rural women, I think we've got a really big job to play in terms of 
bringing the next caliber of talented females through by tapping them on the shoulder and saying hey did you know that there's this opportunity or if you're interested in this opportunity it might not be this year but if it's next year let's introduce you to some people mm-hmm. um you know get you a bit of experience so that mm-hmm. you are ready to put your hand up for a board when something comes up yeah absolutely i think that that's absolutely essential but also uh giving it a crack as well i think a lot of people i mean i definitely a couple of years ago would have thought that it was scary to be in a room of women like that because when as a young woman in the industry you know you we look up to people like yourself and I like I look up to you and Liz a huge amount because what you guys are doing is amazing but then now I finally I know you guys so well it's like oh it doesn't it's not a big deal at all but I think (laughs) it's like breaking that fourth wall I think we we think about it as being super intimidating and scary, but it's not really at all. Like you've said before, triple R events are so warm and welcoming, but I think that's across the country. Any rural women's event, they are, it's so, it's like super warm feeling. It's hard to explain. Like we've just come from an event this morning and it's, it's just such a lovely feeling being with all those women. Oh, it, it is. And like you said, yeah, it is scary a little bit at the start, yeah. but you know you, you're pretty quickly made feel very welcome and yeah. very comfortable. So you shouldn't be scared to to put your hand up. But if you are, you know, send a message to um, you know myself at, at the Triple R. I'm having to have you know a chat with people around joining boards and yeah. you know what they need to do. So yeah. yeah, and we're all scared in the beginning as well. That's what you when you start to learn. Like we're all freak. Like we all freak out. We're we are all like talking ourselves up in our heads, like to get ourselves confident. No one. Is is walking into a space 100% confident or like they they know everything because nobody does. I think that as you get older, as you get exposed to more people, you start to realise that too. Yeah, and I think what you said, you just sometimes you just got to have a go. I did, I read a stat one day that um, if a job application asks for 10 skills, then women will will wait till they've got nine or ten of those skills to apply whereas yeah. men if they've got two or three they'll we'll apply, yeah, they'll apply. <laughs> so I think we need to take a bit of a lesson from these men and you know throw a hat in the ring yeah yeah talk ourselves up talk to ourselves I do that all the time it's slightly strange but you have to be your number one advocate for yourself like you, if you're not a, a number one ambassador for yourself no one else is going to be so you've got to talk yourself up a little bit I love to switch gears and I want to know, I'm quite fascinated to know what a typical day in the life is for you or maybe for you it's a typical week in the life because I think it might be a little bit um, interesting or people always ask me like what it's like working for yourself and I think you and I are quite similar. I think they think it's quite exciting when a lot, a lot of the time. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. We get to do this in the middle of the week. It's great. But yeah, tell us what a week or a day in the life is like for you. Yeah, sure. So um Every week's different, yeah. which is great. So um, I generally have, uh, I suppose, two phases of, of my work week. So one is, is when I'm in the office mm. and the other one is when I'm out kind of seeing clients. The so, fun part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the boring work back at, <laughs> back at the desk. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm up early, so um, I do triathlon. So I'm generally up at around about 4.30. That's why you were so sprightly this morning. And I was <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm normally up at around 4.30 and I usually do, you know, probably one to two hours of exercise uh, in the morning, so either generally running or, or riding. Um, and then, you know, part of a lot of triathlon is socialising. So I generally have a coffee with my training buddies um, after training in the morning. And then I'm usually home by seven and, and, and at my desk by eight o'clock, kind of ready <laughs> ready for work. So You are amazing. Yeah. And then um, I usually try and, so when I'm at home, I, I usually just try and absolutely just smash out 
work um, for the mm. day. So mm. um, work through to around four o'clock and then I usually try and take Ruby, my puppy dog, for a walk along the beach. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good time for me because a bit of fresh air. You've been in the office all day. Yeah. Um, and, and I can actually return some phone calls as well sometimes. So, um, But often if, I, if we've got some training or I need to um, – you know, uh, or I'm watching a um, uh, like a webcast or things like that. I'll often take Ruby in the middle of the day for a walk on the beach and yeah. just kind of watch it on my phone. Yeah. Um, as well. So, so that's generally kind of my day when I'm when I'm in the office. Mm. Um, it's not that exciting, uh, but when I'm travelling, um, yeah, I'm often kind of out the door pretty early. Mm. Um, sometimes I, I won't exercise and I'll, I'll be out the door at, you know, five, six o'clock. And mm. you can be driving four hours to see, you know, a client, drive another hour to see a client and another four hours home. So yeah. what I try and do is um, catch up with clients in the same region together. At the same time. At the same yeah. time, yep. So, be smart. Yep, try and put them together in, say, one or two days um, just to minimise, I suppose, time away from, from home. Yeah. Um, but I love those days. I love getting out there. Um, yeah. The best days when you're really out on a, on a client's farm, seeing what they're doing, mm. sharing in their success. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, doing the old drive home. And even that's quite relaxing because, as you know, there's not much phone signal in WA. Yeah. So you get to listen to – well, you have to pretty much download podcasts or yeah. uh, something to listen to on the way home because even the radio is not too uh, – It's so true. <laughs> doing a phone call in country WA, you're lucky if you can get one call out. and do it. It's so different over East. It's funny. It's But I guess it is that little time of almost like switching off for you because when you work for yourself – especially in your space where you are dealing with finance. I think that's – there's almost no time off. Yeah, you, you do – and sometimes, um, you know, especially when you're doing budgets and people are seeding, you know, they're seeding two hours a day. So sometimes I'm having conversations with clients at 5.30 in the morning um, about <laughs> budgets or, um, oh, actually, I think I'm going to you know, buy this new tractor or, you know, upgrade the air seeder or, yeah. you know. But sometimes you just got to do that because yeah. they're, they're farming yeah. and – you know, or sometimes it's eight o'clock at night or nine yeah. o'clock at night. But yeah, there's there's no typical day. No, in ag, that's for sure. Ag is its own thing. This is a lot of people out of side of ag find that quite interesting. But that's just how it goes, especially being a farmer. If they're a farmer who is on their farm all day long, the only time they have to be in the office and do that stuff is after seven o'clock at night when they've had dinner. Yeah, and that's just how it goes. But yeah, it's definitely it's rewarding though. I'm sure when you see the gratitude from your support. Oh, and and the clients love it. You know, I've, I've sometimes I you know answer a text message at five thirty, and they ring and they say, "Oh my God, look, you've just answered. Why have you why you've answered my call? It's it's five thirty in the morning, and it's like, oh well." you need to talk to me. So you've you know, called. If I'm, if I'm available, I'm awake. Yeah, I'm happy to talk right now. <laughs> They're like, I just needed to tick this box now because otherwise I'll forget later. <laughs> yeah. Or they needed to yeah, tell me something before they went out because they had no phone signal. Yeah. They knew they wouldn't be able to get back to me until, yeah. you know, tonight. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just the way it is, I guess. Well, you're awake anyway. So you don't, exactly. <laughs> I don't mind. You're, you're already awake now. Yeah. They'll call you every morning at 530. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> For somebody wanting to enter the ag industry as a business professional like yourself what would be your biggest piece of advice just do it yeah take the plunge um i might be biased but people in the ag industry and and in rural and regional australia they're super nice like i said i haven't met too many maybe that first farmer that didn't acknowledge me when i was at the (laughs) bank but um i mean you know what other customers bake you scones for morning tea then they feed you roast lamb sandwiches for lunch and then they send you with a pack afternoon afternoon tea for the for the drive home um they're just they're so welcoming and they're just so appreciative of 
um, you helping them out and coming yeah. out to see them. Um, and it's a great sector, and you yeah. don't have you don't have to be a farmer or from a farm to be in the ag industry. There's also, you know, there's um, there's plenty of great bankers out there, ag mm. bankers that you know. They might not want to be a farmer. They still love the industry. Yeah. So there's definitely, you know, so I suppose synergies there. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing when people think um, business professional in the ag space or in finance, they think, oh, you know, I'm only going to be based in the city or I'm only going to be based. In... There's so much flexibility, isn't there? And there's so many different options that people can do to have the best of both worlds. Absolutely. And especially now with Zoom. Yes. So COVID wasn't a terrible thing for Ag, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it's great visiting people, but it's also great from a time perspective. That, yeah. You know, you, you'll do majority of your business when you see them on farm, mm. but then the rest of the time you can catch up via Zoom. Exactly. So, you know, you don't have to, you know, if you do want to live in Perth, but you still want to be involved in Ag, you don't have to be on the road every mm. single day. You can, yeah. you can be selective. Yeah. It's so great. As a woman who is in the rural space as well, what is your hope for rural women in the ag space? My hope for rural women in the ag space? Um, I think parity. Mm. I think parity and being recognised as a farmer. Yeah. Um, I remember, I can't remember who was presenting, but um, it wasn't that long ago, whereas if you Googled farmer, there's no pictures of female farmers that, yeah. that come up. Um, but, <laughs> but I think... Yeah, you're starting to see it, like, you know, like I mentioned before around, you know, um, farm, it's no longer the farmer's wife um, that just cooks and cleans. They're mm. the key decision makers. You're now seeing, um, you know, when you're talking succession planning with farmers, you're starting to see a lot more of how the daughters are coming back to the farm or they're Absolutely. automatically included in that discussion, whereas yeah. it wasn't that long ago where it was like, well, which son or how many sons are you handing and down the farm? Well, uh, I mean, I still we still get that when I – it's just me and my sister and people, oh, no son. Like there's, there, it's still there, which is sad. It is. It's it the is. disappointment it's on these, these people's faces when they see two daughters and, well, we can do everything they can do. Absolutely. And I think we've come a long way, but I still think we've got a long way to go. So yeah, I think I agree. Um, almost utopia would be that um, a farmer is, it's a farmer and it doesn't matter about their agenda. Yeah, there's no gender. I agree. Uh, that That is goals. So that would be amazing. Fortunately, we are entering a new generation of people that are super supportive of that. So we're definitely seeing the change. It'll be great to look back and for reflect again in 10 20 years and see how far we've come i hope absolutely i think i think we will i think the pace that it's evolving is getting quicker as well yeah. now that people are seeing amazing things that you know female farmers are doing out there yeah oh, i can't wait that's why we have this podcast platform because we get to showcase all amazing agricultural stories and people like yourself who are not on farm, but you come from a farming background. You understand it, but you've also made your way in the space on your own now, doing your own thing. And what you're doing is amazing. And it's been so brilliant to chat with you and have this conversation because it just goes to show, again, another layer of this space and how many people are doing amazing, insightful things. So thank you so much for your time. It's been great. Oh, thanks, Lavinia. I'm super chuffed that you asked me to come on this podcast. I love interviewing people like you <laughs> and I, lo I love interviewing – well, I mean, firstly, just getting somebody who moves to WA because no one moves to WA. People move away from WA. So, like, that for me was fascinating. I'm sure I asked you, like, a hundred times. I was like, I just don't understand it. But uh, as well, what you've been able to do is so unique. There is probably – 
there are not many, if any other females running their own finance ag consultancy business, I'd say in the country. Yeah, I don't think there, I, I there don't, is. I've no. never met anyone else. So as another female business owner watching you in this space too, it's it's really amazing to see. So it's so great to showcase your story and I'm sure so many people will want to follow along. So where can people find you if they want to get in touch or just have a little bit of a stalk at your career online? Yeah, so they can stalk. So my website is uh, sarahlangconsulting.com.au. Uh, you can also stalk on Twitter, so at Sarah underscore L underscore Lang um, and Facebook at Sarah Lang Consulting or if you really want to, drop me an email. So Sarah at sarahlangconsulting.com.au but don't be afraid to reach out. I love um, talking to people, hearing about people's businesses and the challenges they're facing and hopefully I can help in some way to alleviate some of them. Thanks so much, Sarah. And guys, all of that information will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.